So it's good to be together, to be celebrating, looking forward to what we celebrate in the person of Jesus Christ. And so thanks for coming this morning, and we're looking forward to what the Word of God says to us and how we can understand the person of Jesus Christ as we continue in our series of anticipating. Remember, not a day, but a person, the person of Jesus who is our hope, and he's our hope because he is a promise keeper. Second, he is mystery. In other words, he doesn't always do what we want him to do or when we want him to do it or how we want him to do it. But we can, instead of being churned up about that, we can rest in the mystery because we are confident that he is good and he is wise even in the midst of what we don't understand. So, no doubt... There is or there will be soon things that go on in your life that will make you scratch your head and go, God, I don't get it. You can rest in him in the midst of that, in the midst of mystery, because he's wise and he's good and he is a promise keeper. Last week, we looked at Jesus is our joy, and he's our joy because he is the Savior, the Savior Great news, good news of great joy for all the peoples. And so last week we had the the privilege of seeing just simply how we right now live today between the past reality of the purchase for all and the future reality of the worship from every tongue and tribe and people and nation. And we get to live in the gap, if you will, as the instruments in and through which God would be working so that the purchase for all would result in the worship from every. This morning, we want to look at Jesus, who is our life. Jesus is our life. We declared it in song, but I want you to understand when I say life, I'm not thinking only eternal life. Yes, Jesus gives us eternal life. We can trust in his death, burial, and resurrection, admitting our sin, looking to him to be our savior. And the scripture says we won't perish, but have everlasting life. So Jesus is our eternal life, but even more than Jesus as our eternal life, Jesus is our daily life. He genuinely today can be our life. So let's talk about life, specifically life as it began for the baby Jesus. Two truths that seem, after we think about them, as potentially contradictory. Before Jesus is born, this is the fundamental truth about the baby Jesus. And that is that the baby Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It was what the angel told to Joseph so he wouldn't be afraid to take Mary as his wife. It's what the angel told to Mary, who was totally confused. How could she be with child since she was still a virgin? He was, Jesus was, conceived not like any other individual in human history. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, totally apart from the process by which human reproduction usually takes place. And it is the fundamental truth that 
helps us understand that this is how he could be live on the earth as God because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was not born like the rest of us in Adam. So, fundamental to the baby Jesus conceived by the Holy Spirit, he was God. But what does the scripture then say when Mary gave birth there in Bethlehem? What's it say she did? It seems like an unusual thing to highlight, but it actually was so significant. The angel told the shepherds, it's going to be the sign for you that this baby is the Savior. What would they find? A baby wrapped in swaddling cloths is what the scripture says. That the baby Jesus who was conceived by the Holy Spirit was wrapped in swaddling cloths. That seems like a throwaway line, but it's not. Why would they wrap the baby Jesus in swaddling cloths? Why? Why, did they, why would they wrap any baby in swaddling cloths? It was simply what they did then to keep the baby warm, right? To keep the, the baby warm. We don't use swaddling cloths anymore, but if you have a newborn, what do you do? You use a... Blanket, you wrap him up like an enchilada. You fold it this way and then roll this way and you got your little enchilada right there. That's how, it, because babies need the warmth and they do a lot of this when they're not, not wrapped up because they're, they're used to being in the womb and now their arms are flailing. But here's the question. If Jesus, baby Jesus is God, does God get cold? Well, Jesus did. He would have. They, they wrapped him in clothes. So the swaddling clothes is not a throwaway. It's from his very birth, a reminder that this baby conceived by the Holy Spirit and therefore God was human. He was man. He was human. But that can be a difficult two truths to synthesize. How can he be both God and be man? Which causes us, or at least it did for me, because I don't know about your journey. My journey was such that I, from as long as I could remember, believed that the historic person spoken of in the scriptures, Jesus of Christ of Nazareth, was God. My tension was just how human was he? This, this baby that was born, conceived by the Holy Spirit, is the Savior for all peoples. Okay, he's God. Did he cry? That was very timely, thank you. Did he cry? Did he soil those swaddling clothes? Like a blowout? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jack and I got blessed with six kids. 12 straight years in diapers. We've seen some blowouts. But would it be wrong to have a blowout? No, not at all. Did he cry? Was Mary trying to sleep and going, Jesus. 
That really wasn't what I meant when I said that. <laughs> but she was fine when she said that. Was, come on, how human was he? So we begin to think, I, I think it's vital this morning, that if we miss the humanity of Jesus, it will undermine our own spiritual walk. So I want to ask, just how human? Well, here's what Luke says, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. It's one of the very few verses that we get that covers a lot of years between Jesus the baby and Jesus the man and the minister, if you will. A lot of years in between there. One of the few verses here, he kept increasing in wisdom and said, what, what's that mean? That means he outgrew his sandals. Joseph was like, ah, oh, we got to buy new sandals again. That means his robes got too small for him and he had to get new clothes. Just how human? He grew in body. Jesus went through puberty and pimples. What? That's a little weird. Can God get acne? He grew in body and he, he learned. Jesus did not speak to his parents in the manger. He actually had to learn how to talk. And he actually had to learn how to walk. And he had to learn how to read and write and spell. See, we have this notion, oh, great, Jesus is at the spelling bee. I mean, who wins that one if Jesus shows up to the spelling bee? But that's not an accurate understanding. Could Jesus misspell a word and get disqualified and his buddy down the street from Nazareth win? Sure, sure. It's just how human, he grew in body, he grew in mind. And then as a man, it says that Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So how human Human enough that he was tempted. You sense? Now, am I undermining or am I calling into question the deity of Jesus? Please don't, don't hear that. Totally affirming the deity of Jesus, simply acknowledging that yes, he was God and yes, he was human. He grew in wisdom he grew in body and stature, and he was tempted. And John 4 says, Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting by the well. Oh, what's that tell you? <laughs> yeah, Jesus got tired. <laughs> it just kind of makes me smile to think about some of the disciples thinking, I'm not tired, but Jesus is. Could they beat him in a race? Pro that would be possible, right? Could he get blisters, calluses, whack his thumb with a hammer, stand up and hit his head and go, could he? Yeah, sin in that. He was, he was human. 
he experienced. See, the scripture, John 1, 14 says, and the word, Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. In other words, he really lived as God and man. And sometimes we have disconnected him in our desire to lift him up as God. We have removed him from real life. And I'm not trying to knock him off of his deity, wholeheartedly believe in the deity of Christ. I'm simply acknowledging for us his humanity. Jesus have bad breath, body odor, bad hair day. Here's what was most uh, eye-opening for me as I thought through this again. Not until after he died did his brothers believe who he said he was. And I think we ought to not miss the fact we're hard on, Na- hard on Nazareth where he grew up because they rejected him. But do you understand what that tells you about the humanity of Jesus? That his brothers, the people who really lived with him, didn't get the sense that he walked on air different than everybody else. That those who were closest to him went, mm, he's really human. So human? that he uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. Can God die? Jesus grew, tempted, physically weary. He died. And then Joseph, not Joseph his dad, but another Joseph, bought a linen cloth, took him down, wrapped him in linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb. Wrapped at birth, wrapped in death. He died and was buried. Let me say it one more time. Am I undermining the deity of Jesus? Please, no. No. What I want us to understand is that Jesus was human. He experienced life. But we don't know how to synthesize the two. So, Let me give it this shot. What about this conclusion? Jesus experienced in life what God cannot. Yes? Right? It's part of what I was just showing you. Jesus experienced in life what God cannot. Why? Because he was human. But did in life what humans cannot... Because he was God. That's a synthesis of the two. When Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room, Philip, one of his followers, says this, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. So Jesus says to him, have I been so long with you, and yet You have not come to know me, Philip. In other words, I feel for Philip. In his defense, Jesus is a little bit hard to understand. God and man. So Philip says, show us the Father. 
And Jesus says, Philip, you, you still don't get me. <laughs> By asking this question, you still don't know me. Here's what he means. He goes on. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say to me, show us the Father? Because you've already seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How can you show, show us the Father? Do you not believe? See, this is an important question for you this morning. Was to Philip. Do you not believe that I am in the Father? Yes. What else? <laughs> and the Father is in me. The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. So, Philip, you don't seem to understand. You don't, you don't understand my relationship with the Father, and therefore you don't understand who I am. So, let me repeat. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. This is Jesus describing his life. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own initiative. I don't simply say, well, why'd you say that? Because I'm God. No, that's not why I said what I said. I said what I said because it's what the Father wanted. It was his initiative, not mine. The Father abiding in me because I'm in him and he's in me. He, the Father, does whose works? His works. So it's the Father doing the Father's works. That's the explanation of Jesus. So when Philip says, show us the Father, Jesus says, oh, you haven't got me yet. So let me explain. Here is actually the secret to my life. I am in the Father. The Father is in Christ. In Jesus, Jesus is in the Father. The Father was in Jesus the Christ. Jesus was fully submitted to the Father. You understand what I mean by that? What did he say he did? <laughs> Whatever the Father told him. He didn't do anything on his own initiative. It was all in response Why'd you go there? Father told me. Why didn't you go there? Father told me. Why'd you say that? Father told me. Fully submitted. And then the Father did the Father's work through Jesus. That's Jesus' explanation of his life. So actually, we need to modify our conclusion. I believe it's correct that Jesus experienced in life what God cannot. Why? Because he was human. But did in life what humans can, not cannot. Did in life what humans can when one with God. See, the explanation that we tend to think is, well, he did what we don't because 
What do we throw away? Ah, he was God. He goes, you, like he said to Philip, watch, you don't know me. Don't you believe I am in the Father and the Father is in me and that I only do what the Father tells me to do and it's the Father doing the Father's work through me? Oh. So actually, our conclusion about Jesus is yes, he is God. (laughs) And yes, he is human. And the explanation of his life is that Jesus is revealing how God intends life to be lived when he wraps himself in human flesh. That is a transformational statement in understanding the person and the work of Jesus Christ on this planet. He revealed how God intends life to be lived when he wraps himself in humanity, in human flesh. Jesus said, hey, this is the explanation of my life. Now, why is this absolutely important in terms of our relationship with Jesus as we live not in relationship with Jesus just for eternity, but as we live now, day to day, as we live life as God intended us to live it. I want to show you two verses side by side that were spoken within minutes of one another by Jesus. The first... He speaks about his relationship with the Father. Then minutes later, he speaks about his relationship with his fathers. So he is the common factor in each. First, he and his father, then he and his followers. We've already looked at the one, he and his father. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Minutes later, he says this about his relationship to his followers. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you see how strikingly similar Jesus describes his true relationship with the Father and how he intends that to be lived out with him and his followers? It's the same principles. So watch. This isn't in your message memo because I couldn't fit it all in there. But I want you to see, we talked about already the secret to the life of Jesus, but then he says in John 15, 5, the secret to the life in Jesus And it's remarkably parallel. The secret to the life in Jesus is that I am in Christ. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. I am in Christ and what else? Christ is in me. Just as Jesus said, I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. Now, you're in me and I am in you. And when I am fully submitted to Jesus as a follower, when I'm fully submitted to him as he was fully submitted to his father, what happens? He uses the expression, 
much fruit. Simply the same idea of Jesus does his work through me as the Father did the Father's work through Jesus. Are you tracking with me? Why why am I so passionate about this for this reason? I knew the truth of the gospel, that of Jesus dying on the cross to take the penalty for my sin and being raised from the dead and trusting in him, admitting my sin and trusting in him to be my savior, that if I believed that, I wouldn't perish, but I'd have everlasting life. I believed that and I received it. Watch, long before I knew this. So I was in relationship with Christ, trusting him for eternal life, long before I knew Jesus was my daily life, not just my eternal life. And I find it consistently wherever I go. That statement might resonate with you this morning. I know Jesus, and I've trusted him for my eternal life, but I have not yet learned what it really means to live day in, day out with Jesus as my life. And partly, I think that's true because we have diminished and dismissed the humanity of Jesus. We have dismissed, well, he was God. We've dismissed his humanity and said, well, the explanation, he was God. And that's not what he said. He said, that's not the explanation for my life. The explanation for my life is my relationship with the Father, in and in, fully submitted so that he's doing his work. And that's intended to be your daily relationship with Jesus as our life. Not just eternal life, not diminishing that by any means. But not just eternal life, your daily life. Like get up tomorrow, go to work life. Like in your marriage life. Like in parenting life. Like interacting with your neighbors, Jesus is your life. You live in relationship with him as he lived in relationship with the Father. There are two, I believe, there's probably more, but two fundamental losses in dismissing the humanity of Jesus by simply saying, yeah, but he was God. First, first loss in dismissing the humanity of Jesus with, but he was God, is this, that I will excuse my own sinful behavior and habits with, well, I'm only human. Do you see that correlation? We look at Jesus, we hear, be like Jesus, and we conclude, he was God and I am only human. Folks, that is not a proper understanding of the life of Jesus or the life following Jesus. That's not true to the life in Jesus, life of Jesus or the life in Jesus. The scripture 
fundamentally disagrees with this statement for those who have been born again and trusted in Jesus. And we tend to think it, and we like to use it. Uh, I know I shouldn't do that, but I'm only human. I know that's wrong, but it's what men do. Men will be men. Boys will be boys. This is just what ladies struggle with. We, we dismiss our own sinful behavior simply going, well, I'm just human. It's not true. Any more than it's true that, well, Jesus was just God. No. He was God. And he was human. Do you believe that? See, not until I will really capture the truth of the secret of the life of Jesus will I begin to enter into the secret of the life in Jesus. That it really is intended to be life lived with God wrapped in human flesh. What's the scripture say about this? Well, I'm, just, I'm only human. I'm just a guy. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a, a what? A better person. Oh, no, no, that's not what it says. He's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Folks, don't misunderstand me. When I am born again, am I still human? Yes, but it is totally different to say I am still human and I am only human. No, the scripture declares that I'm a new creature in Christ, that I become a partaker of the divine nature. The Holy Spirit dwells within me. I'm a new person. The evidence that I am now a new person is that old things are passed away. New things have come. Why? Because I am new. And so the scripture says to you who are in Christ, listen, consider yourselves to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Why would you consider yourselves to be that? This is really profound. Why? Because you are. What? Yes, you are. Consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, if that's really true, and it really is true if you're in Christ, this is what's new about you. You're dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. You don't have to be ruled by lust or jealousy or envy or greed. Why not? Because you're dead to sin. You're alive to God in Christ Jesus. You're a new creature. You're not only human. You are human, but Christ dwells in you. I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. So what should I do? Don't go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. What's that mean? What are the members of your body? Well, this, this. This, that tongue, that's a member of your body. And you and I have long lived where that member of our body becomes an instrument through which unrighteousness happens. 
It gets spoken and lies and gossip, profanity. This has long been an instrument of unrighteousness. The members of our body have been tools to accomplish unrighteousness. He says, don't do that anymore. Why not? You're dead to sin. You're alive to God in Christ Jesus. Christ has wrapped himself in your humanity. That body is not yours anymore to do what you want to do with it. You've been bought with a price. And you're dead now to that and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So what should you do? But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. Why would you say, God, here I am, alive from the dead? Why would you say that? Because you're catching on now? Because you are. That's the profound spiritual truth of those who've been born again. You're a new creature. Do you believe that? See, this is what Jesus said to Philip. Do you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? I don't do anything on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. You're the vine. Uh, No, no, Jesus. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Abide in me and I in you, and you'll bear much fruit. Live out your relationship with me as I lived out my relationship with the Father. Life of Jesus is to be be the life in Jesus. Would that radically change your marriage? If really your spouse experienced you as Jesus, because you consistently, day in, day out, said, Lord, here's the instruments of my body. I present them to you as those alive from the dead, because I am. (laughs) So that his life, his love, his patience, his goodness, his kindness would be demonstrated through me. How can you see, people say, could say to me, hey, hey, Doug, show me Jesus. Well, I'd like to be able to say, How can you say, show me Jesus? Do you not know me? I am in Jesus and Jesus is in me. I don't do anything on my own initiative. Well, if I could say that, they would go, wow, that's right. Why would they say, show me Jesus? (laughs) Not because I'm not in Christ and Christ is not in me, but often because I'm not. uh, I've said, no, I want my members of this body to still be instruments of Unrighteousness, what I want to do, what I want to say, what I want to get, what I want. Life in Jesus is simply the continuation of the life of Jesus. He's not just your eternal life. He intends to be our life. So present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Second loss in dismissing the humanity of Jesus is this. I will consider the supernatural work of God to be reserved for a select, special few. 
In the same way that we dismiss Jesus. Ah, oh, he, he was God. Nah, that doesn't count. Then we take people like the Apostle Paul. And go, oh, well, you know, he was Paul. He was but Peter, oh, he walked with Jesus. We put people in a select special category, and then we go, but I'm just me. You know, I'm just, you know, trying to do my best. Jesus could not disagree more with that mindset. Because when, oh, when Philip said, man, show us the Father, Jesus said, really? Dude, do you not know me? I'm in the Father. The Father's in me. I don't do anything on my own initiative. Seen me. You've seen the Father. It's the Father abiding in me that's been doing the work. And now listen. This is what he follows with. He who believes in me, the works that I do, say it. Come on. See, again, we just don't believe that. Why? Because we have dismissed the humanity of Jesus and, and concluded, well, he was God. Oh, he said, clear as day. No, this is how I lived life, and now this is how you're going to live life. Uh, and, and greater than these he'll do, because I go to the Father. Now, I used to think, Jesus, there's stuff at the end that always confuses me. Let's just you know, edit that out. I don't even know what that, because I go to the Father. What's that have to do with anything? A lot. Because I go to the Father, what he's saying is this. Right now, you've been watching, you've been sharing with me, but it's about to change for you who believe in me because when I go to the Father, then the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit, God himself, to dwell within you so that as I have been God wrapped in human flesh, you will become the body of Christ. The Spirit of God will reside within you. You will be the temple of God. And he will, as he did his work through me, as I lived in submission to him, he will now do his work through you greater things because he lives within you. But we've missed it and we've shelved it because we went, well, you know, Jesus was God. And I'm just human. Just human. I do stupid stuff and nothing supernatural in my life. Except if you're like special. There's like a few out there. But Paul says this. Paul says when he writes to the Corinthians, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. How's that for knocking himself right off the pedestal that we want to go? Yeah, but he was Paul. He was the apostle. Jesus appeared to him. He goes, hey, you want to know something about me? I was chicken. I was weak. So chicken. I was shaken. And my messages, nobody tweeted about them. They were just, they weren't persuasive. I didn't show up and the Corinthians went, wow, what a man of powerful words. We should do what he says. Paul says, that's not the way it went down. I was weak. 
I was fearful. I was trembling. My message and my preaching were not persuasive. They weren't profound. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man but on the power of God. See, we just think, oh man, that that person, they'd make a great Christian. You've said that. You've thought that. They'd make a great Christian. They would be a great teacher. They are so persuasive with their words. We don't understand life in Jesus. Jesus said, hey, stop, stop. Quit quit dismissing with, well, he's God. Quit dismissing. He's human, just human. There's a select few. When God works, it's through people who are afraid and people who are tremble and people who are not profound or powerful, but the Spirit of God is powerfully at work in them and through them because they've simply said, Lord, whatever you want, here I am. Don't do anything on my own initiative. Whatever you want, here I am. Whatever you want to do, here I am. However you want me to live, I'm available. I'm available. This body, what Romans 6 say, I'm presenting it as a member and the members of it as instruments of righteousness. Used to be for all my own stuff. Now, Lord, I present it to you, all my body, to be an instrument in through which you would do your work, through which you would speak your truth, through which people would experience you. There are no a special select few There are simply those who have said, Lord, I am available. I'm dead to sin and alive to God, and I believe it to be true. (laughs) And I am in you, and you're in me. Here I am. Folks, that's the life of Jesus. (laughs) And it's the life in Jesus. So, I want us to give us an opportunity. I've invited us to answer the question a couple times. Do you believe that? I want to give us an opportunity to declare a truth. So, I'm going to invite the band because we're going to declare it in song. But this is not just a closing song. This is a declaration that we believe what I have declared this morning. And it comes from this text. So, if you would, look at this text on the screen. Paul, writing again to the Corinthians, says, Having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. What's that mean? What does he mean that what do we believe that therefore we speak? Next verse. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will do what? Raise us also with Jesus. In other words, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and working in me. And so that's how I'm going to speak, and that's how I'm going to live. 
believing that the power and the life of Jesus is the power and the life of those who are in Jesus. Let's stand and let's declare with our voices we believe this to be true. My feet, I can't feel the breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up. He will not be overtaken, we will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road. I can face every fear of the unknown. I can hear all God's children singing out. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave. The same power that commands it dead to wait. Lives in us. Lives in us. The same power that moves mountains where he speaks. The same power that can calm a raging sea lives in us. Lives in us. He lives in us. Lives in us. We have hope that his promises are true in his strength. There is nothing we can't do, yes we know There are greater things in store We will not be overtaken, we will not be overcome The same power that rose Jesus from the grave The same power that commands the dead to wake Lives in us, lives in us the same power that moves mountains when he speaks. The same power that can call a raging sea. Lives in us. Lives in us. He lives in us. Lives in us. Greater is he. And greater is he that is living in me. He's conquered us. Lives in us, lives in us. 
You know, it is not by persuasive words that I will convince you of that, but by the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God that your eyes would be open to not only Jesus as your eternal life, but Jesus as your daily life. I want to invite you as you stand there to simply ask the Lord that by His grace, and a demonstration of the power of the Spirit in your life that, that he would open your eyes to know him as your daily life. That you would learn to live as one dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Would you invite him, ask him? Father, it is with great gratitude that I say thank you for your grace to us, not only in saving us for eternity, but empowering us for daily living supernaturally. Thank you for your great grace to us, and I pray that each of us would continually learn what it means to no longer present our bodies and the instruments of them. be instruments of unrighteousness, but that we would increasingly present these bodies and the members of them to be instruments of righteousness as those alive from the dead. Would we live life, the life of Jesus, to the praise of your glory? We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, thank you for coming this coming weekend. Christmas Eve, if you haven't gotten your tickets, I hope you will. They're free, of course. It just secures a seat. Love to have you Christmas Eve or back in here at 11 o'clock Christmas morning. All four services will be the same. If you're new to the chapel, we're having a greeting time out in the courtyard. There's a guest reception right there that you can see on the map. If you're new, we'd love to meet you, and it would be our privilege to spend a few minutes this morning visiting with you right after this service. So if you'd make your way that way, uh, I'd love to greet you there. God bless. Merry Christmas.